Listen, listen, listen. You got one week, say one week. One week to save money on momentum registration. Next week on Thursday ends the early bird registration time. Price goes up $20 after that. So right now you got a week, whether you register tonight, tomorrow, or next week. But make sure if you know, listen, 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 listen. So many are like, yeah, I'm going. I'm like, really? Yeah, I'm going. Then bring the forms in. Okay, just bring, just don't tell me you're going, show me you're going. And like I said, we got, right now, honestly, we almost got more scholarships than we got people registered. People keep giving me money saying, I want to pay, I, in my mailbox today, I got a registration form blank with a check in it saying, please pay, give this to a kid who wants to go there. Like, people are willing to help you go, but yo, you can't help someone who doesn't want help, right? Like, I, you can lead a horse to water, but if I try to shove your face in the trout, you're going to drown. And so help me not drown by getting your form. And listen, if you need help talking to mom or dad, let me know. I'll talk to mom and dad. If you need help financially, let me know. We'll help you financially. All right? Whatever it is, we want to make sure that you have an opportunity to go. But at the end of it, you got to want it. All right? And so, like I said, spots are limited. And what typically happens is people try to wait last minute. And it's happened in the past. People last minute want to go, and I cannot take you because I literally don't have any more room in the hotels or on the bus for you. So once we get to that point, there's no helping anybody. Cool? All right. Just want to make sure everybody's up on that. So last week, say last week, we started a new series that we were calling One Up. And it's a video game series, right? So we, we took a video game each week, and we're going to use it as kind of a theme for what we're going to be talking about on that night. How many remember what we talked about last week? What video game? Mario Kart, Mario Kart right? I saw a few of you friending me on Mario Kart. I looked at the leaderboard. All of you are behind me. That means I'm dope and you suck, but whatever. Everybody's behind me on Mario Kart. You know, you know you're good when you're waiting two days for the next route to open up, right? Because I'm like, man, I beat all this already. And so, and so I'm waiting for you guys to catch up. Gio's in second place, but not first. And so we're waiting for you. So last week was Mario Kart. Now, a couple of people I've already told, I think Stanley I told and, and somebody else that what today's topic is. But for those of you who don't know, anybody want to guess what video game we're going to be talking about tonight? Anybody want to guess? Where? You already know. What else? Huh? Black Ops? What do you think? Street Fighter? Anybody else have a guess? Any ladies? Come on. I feel like ladies don't game in this room. We got a lady. What did you say? Super Smash Bros, that's a you know, low-key, I'm just getting ideas for next week. Like, that's the only reason I'm asking you. I'm trying to get ideas for next week. Ray, what do you think, Ray? Mortal Kombat, what do you think? That's what you thought. Here, let me give you a clue for those of you who don't know in the room. Give me that clue real quick. We'll see how young I am at heart or how old you guys are now. I love it. I love it. All right, kill it, kill it. So we were talking earlier, and they were like, hey, nobody knows what Mortal Kombat is. I'm like, how do you not know? Who doesn't know what Mortal Kombat is? And never played Mortal Kombat before? Y'all, listen, let me school y'all. Let me school the young bucks in the house on the game of games growing up. Listen, listen. Mortal Kombat, when I was a kid, right? And I'm talking about kid. I used to walk to J.J. Peppers, the little corner store, right? I used to walk to J.J. Peppers, and they had the big arcade version of Mortal Kombat. They used to put a quarter on there to make sure that it was your turn. 
and every, there was a line for Mortal Kombat, right? The buttons all lost their print on it because people were smashing the whole time. Yo, Mortal Kombat was the game, and when it came out on the console, like, I nearly lost my thumbs playing Mortal Kombat, right? You know you're playing a game too long when you finish a round and you're like, you start, you know, putting it in your mouth because it's warm and you're like, ooh. Which is weird, right? Because you put your thumb in your mouth, then you touch the control again. Then the next person's touching the control. There's all this baba on it because of you. It gets kind of awkward, right? But I loved Mortal Kombat, all right? It was fun. I still play from time to time. But, and listen, Mortal Kombat, I, again, I, I noticed a lot of ladies. I'm not trying to do stereotypes, but I noticed a lot of ladies haven't been raising their hand for the video games. And I don't know. I don't like the stereotype that girls don't play video games because I taught my little sister to play video games with me. But when I have, whether it's a guy or a girl who doesn't play video games, the easiest game to get them to play is a fighting game. Why? Because you can button mash. You ever play somebody who's never played before and they just hitting random stuff and they destroy you and you're like, yo, this isn't even right. You don't even know how to play this game. Right? You're like, you're super mad. And then a lot of times she's like, ha Like my wife will beat me a few times in Mortal Kombat and she'll be like, I won. And I'm like, I hate you. <laughs> Right? But here's the other one. Like, there's a few things that I have pet peeves. Uh, who, where's Lizzie? I was playing Lizzie one time in Mortal Kombat. I don't know if y'all know Lizzie too well. Lizzie is the kindest, sweetest girl around. But she's a sore loser, guys. A very sore loser. How did I know this? I didn't know this before until I played her in Mortal Kombat. And she starts yelling at me, you're a cheater. And I'm like... I beat you. How did I cheat? Because here's, here's what she hates. If you ever play somebody that only does one move on you the whole game, you know, like they get you in a corner and they just keep sweeping you the whole game, and you're sitting there super angry because you're like, you're so stupid. You're cheating. Right? This isn't fun. I don't want to play anymore. Right? So, so for me, Mortal Kombat was the game, the theme song, the movie, even though you look at it now, that's trash, but it's still kind of fun, right? All that had that kind of nostalgia standpoint for it. Uh, it's a game that I thought anyone could play because literally you can win just by smashing buttons. Um, uh, you, you could do the same move over and over until your little sister gets mad and walks away. Uh, that was my experience, right? It's a great game. Now, I don't condone the violence. I am on the record as I don't condone violence. I don't condone the violence in that game. I'm not endorsing it. Truth be told, I used to get nightmares, like, whenever I would play it too long. Because in my, in my dream, I was fighting Scorpion. And so, like, I'd be kicking people and, like, smashing my wall and waking up with my fist hurting because I was fighting in the middle of my dreams. But the term Mortal Kombat suggests a fight to the death. When you're talking about Mortal Kombat... You're talking about your mortal life is on the line in this fight. And although we are not in a physical fight, we are in a spiritual combat where your spirit is on the line. And you have to understand this. Whether you're a believer or not and whether you believe this or not, we are all engaged in spiritual warfare in, in a fight that goes on in what the Bible describes as the heavenly realms. Right, the unseen world. And so the Bible talks about it in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12. It says, for we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. 
right? In the backdrop of what you can see in the spiritual world. And how many know we are spirits within flesh, right? When you die, your body will go, but your spirit will live on. We are spirits. We have souls. That is a different aspect of it. And there's a whole realm where angels and demons and God and everything resides. It's kind of cool when you start to study it. Um, And in those heavenly realms, there is constantly a fight going on for you. There is a fight for your soul. There is a fight for your presence and where it will reside when you die. There is constantly a battle. And believe it or not, you and I are constantly engaged in that fight. Everything we do leans one way or another in that fight. Don't be naive. We are all in our individual battles. Whether we're fighting temptation, fighting against the devil's plans or schemes, fighting against our own flesh at times. Truth be told, every one of us, every day is in a fight. Some battles we win, some battles we lose. Some of us battle with depression, some of us battle anxiety, some of us battle lust, some of us battle Uh, the temptation to go back to who we used to be. Some of us battle with insecurities. We all battle with something. There is not one person sitting in this room who's not battling something at some point or another. As a matter of fact, the crazy thing is you might be sitting next to someone and have no idea the fight that's going on on the inside. All of us go through it. And so tonight, I want to help you understand some of the ways that we can overcome and find victory in these battles. If you have your Bibles, we're going to look at 1 Samuel chapter 17. 1 Samuel chapter 17. This is a famous story that a lot of people know whether they're in church or out of church. And it's the story of David and Goliath. Giant versus midget. Uh, probably normal size, right? But compared to a giant, everybody looked like a midget. And 1 Samuel chapter 17 verse 45 through 50. I'm going to give you a little backstory to, to what's going on. In those days... There was a war going on between the Philistines and the Israelites. The Israelites were the people of God. And what they would do in ancient times in order to avoid mass casualties, when two countries or kingdoms were battling, what they would do is they would send out a champion, a representative of their nation, their best fighter, their best warrior. And they would say, hey, listen, you send out your best fighter. We'll send out our best fighter. Let them two fight. And whoever wins that mortal combat, the other kingdom will have to submit. It was a way of avoiding your whole army getting wiped out. And so the Philistines had this champion named Goliath, a 10-foot giant. And again, people are like, 10 feet, that's so fake. Why is that so fake? Nine-foot people have existed. Why can't another foot? Like, and I can go into a whole thing about that. Uh, but more than likely, scientists believe he had uh, aglobaglia, which is uh, a tumor pressed against your hormones, your pituitary gland that causes an increase of growth hormone and makes you grow bigger. Like Andre the Giant had that. It causes you to be bigger than a normal size. And so here Goliath, he would come out every day before the Israelite army, and he would challenge them. But he didn't just like challenge. He wasn't like, hey, what's up? You guys want to fight? Right? Like he would come out and he would insult them and he would insult their God and he would insult their people and he would make all these bogus things. You ever like when, when somebody comes out and starts saying stuff and you're like, uh-huh. And then they say like that one thing they're like, uh-huh. Your mama. And you're like, bro. Right? It's like, okay, we were cool. You talk about me, but you just threw my mama. Oh, no, nah, now we're getting into it. And so what he was trying to do is he was trying to bait them. He was trying to get them to fight. And the truth is the Israelites were scared. 
None of them wanted to fight. Why? He's 10 foot tall. I ain't trying to fight that dude. Right? It always makes me laugh. Like, girls, y'all act like your man should always defend you. You know, like, oh, get that dude. He said this. Uh, Low-key, a lot of times that guy's like, not that dude. <laughs> nah, baby. I mean, we, I love you and all, but that dude big. <laughs> like, I'm not trying to get into it with that guy. Right? And so here, the Israelites are, are being cowardly and, and no one's wanting to step up. And David, meanwhile, he's not even old enough to be in the army. David is at home taking care of sheep. He's a shepherd. But David's dad sends him to the battlefield where his brothers are to give them lunch. So David basically works for Grubhub. And he drove out to hook them up with their lunch. And when he gets there is when Goliath comes out and he sees Goliath talking crap. And David's like, oh, you know you ever, you ever see when people get really mad at they're like the voice gets really high? You gonna let this guy talk about it? Oh hell no, like like that kind of thing. Like that's how he started getting. And he's like, no, no, you did not let him. No, like that's and, and listen, yo, David gets raw. David gets raw, right? Let me see where we're at. Uh, let me look at verse 45. David said to the Philistine, You come against me with sword and spear and javelin. But I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty, the God of armies of Israel, whom you have defiled. Right? David's like that person who's just crazy. David was like a quarter Puerto Rican. He just had some wildness in him. And he goes, the day of the Lord will deliver you into my hands, and I'll strike you down and cut off your head. This very day, I will give the carcasses of the Philistine army to the birds and the wild animals. The whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. All those gathered here will know that this is not by sword or by spear that the Lord saves. For the battle is the Lord's and he will give you into our hands. I just love David's attitude. Right? David's looking at the situation and even a few chapters beforehand. When he notices that nobody steps up, he's looking at them like, what is wrong with you? He is not just talking about you. He's talking about our God. And he says, if you won't do anything, I'll step up. Right? If none of you grown folk are willing to do anything, I'll step up. Which is a good attitude to have, guys. Because there's a lot of adults in your life that aren't willing to do the things God called them to do. And some of you, you're the only one in your household. You're the only Christian. And it feels lonely. But listen, some of you need to be like David and say, guess what? If y'all ain't going to be willing to fight for our family, I'll do it. If y'all are not willing to stand in the gap, I'll step up. And then the Bible goes on to say in verse 48, as the Philistine moved closer to attack him, David ran quickly toward the battle line to meet him. Reaching into his bag and taking out a stone, he slung it and struck the Philistine on the forehead. The stone sank into his forehead and he fell face down on the ground. So David triumphed over the Philistine with a sling and a stone. Without a sword in his hand, he struck down the Philistine and killed him. Now, a lot of times when we read this story, we get a picture of a little kid with a slingshot. Okay? The sling was not a toy. It was an actual military weapon that was used. It was an artillery weapon that was used in a lot of different ancient battles. As a matter of fact, they have some um, documentation of proficient warriors on horseback who could sling the slingshot and hit a bird in flight dead on, okay? They checked with, with the, the rocks that are in that nation of Israel. With the speed that you could throw it in a slingshot and the density of the rock, it had the stopping power of a 45 caliber bullet, okay? He basically shot that dude in the forehead with a Glock, okay? And the accuracy 
was just sick. But here's where I want to go into our context because I think when you see how David fought, there are a few things that will help us understand how you and I have to fight our spiritual battles. And if you're taking notes, the first thing is this. You need to learn to be aggressive when it comes to your spiritual fight. Some of y'all are aggressive naturally. I ain't talking about that. Some of y'all get set off for nothing. Chill out. I'm not talking about that aggressive. I'm talking about being aggressive with spiritual battles. And here's what I mean by that. Notice what happened the second Goliath took his first step, right? Let's go back to the verse. As the Philistine moved closer to attack, David ran how? How? Okay, CPS, I know y'all are semi-literate. How did he run? Toward the battle line to meet him. See, here's the deal. He wasn't going to wait for Goliath to come to him. He ran out and met him on the battle line. Why? Because he was willing to be aggressive. He was willing to jump in. David didn't wait for Goliath to attack first. David rushed at him and met him head on. What does that mean for you and I? Too often, sin defeats us because we're too passive and scared to fight sin head on. We're, we're more reactionary than action. We react to what happened to us rather than attack it head on. For example, you're in a relationship that you know God doesn't want you to be in. But we say things like, I don't want to hurt their feelings. Well, first of all, then you shouldn't have dated them in the first place because you knew God didn't want you to do that. And second of all, let's be honest, it's not their feelings you don't want to hurt. It's that you still want them in your life. Because if you really didn't want to hurt their feelings, you'd stop leading them on and cut them off. But we don't. And so we're passive. We're hoping that either they break up with us or somehow it just goes away. <laughs> like maybe if I just ghost them, they'll completely disappear. <laughs> you need to learn to be aggressive with that from the get-go. Okay, you cute and everything, but I'm um, sorry. You're just not at my level spiritually. This ain't going to happen. But I thought, you know, we clicked. Oh, we clicked. But we ain't going to stay together. <laughs> okay? I need to, to pass on. Why? Because cute is not enough for me right now. Because nice is not enough for me right now. Some of you, you'll settle for anything because you're spiritually starving. So a cracker tastes like a gourmet meal. Right? doesn't mean they're good for you. It just means you're starving. But when you're spiritually fulfilled, you can be picky. And you can understand, no, 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 I'm going to stop this before anything starts because I know where this is going because I've seen it before. Maybe in yourself but maybe in other people. Maybe you're hanging around with bad influences. I hate that term because sometimes you're the bad influence. But maybe you're hanging around with people that aren't drawing you closer to God. And you know you need to start to separate from that group of people. But we say things like, oh, I don't want to be bogus. Why can they be and not you? You need to understand who you are and what you're doing. And it's okay to be aggressive with your walk with God. It's okay to be protective and aggressive of your relationship with God. And you don't have to apologize to anyone for your desire to be closer to God. Some of y'all started coming to youth group and, and people are like, oh, why are you going there? Let's do this. Let's do that. And you're like, no, I really want to go. Man, you don't have to go. Listen. You don't have to get in the way of what I'm doing in my relationship with God. If you want to hang out after, if you want to hang out on Saturday, we can figure this out. But right now you are strongly getting close to getting cut out of my life because I'm bringing somebody new in my life in Jesus. Man, you don't got to get all crazy about it. 
Now, I just wanted to let you know where we at. I just want to make sure you understand. I love you. I'm cool with you. But this is important to me. James chapter 1, verse 14 through 15. says, temptation comes from our own desires, which entice us and drag us away. These desires give birth to sinful actions. And when sin is allowed to grow, it gives birth to death. Leave that up there for a moment. Sin gives birth to death only when you allow it to grow. Sin gives birth to death only when you allow it to grow. What does that mean? When you leave things unchecked, when you leave things that you know are not good for you spiritually, and you just hope if you ignore it, it goes away, all you're doing is you're giving it an opportunity to grow. And eventually it will grow big enough to kill your spiritual walk with God. Guaranteed. Man, you know, it's just a blunt. It's not a big deal. I just, you know, it helps me to cope with some of those things. Yes, but then you learn to cope on a drug and not on the Lord. And that's the issue. It's not even, I'm not even going to sit here and argue whether, oh, God made it. Well, you know, God made mercury. You shouldn't swallow mercury. God made a lot of things that you shouldn't put into your body. Okay? But the main thing is, if your excuse is I drink to deal with my depression, then what you're also saying is my escape from my issue is alcohol, not the Lord. And what you did is you gave that an opportunity to grow. That to sink in and when you allow it to grow, don't be surprised when it results in your spiritual death. Your spiritual death. When Adam and Eve, right, the first sinners, what was Eve's issue? She let the snake keep talking. Right off the bat, when the snake started mentioning, hey, listen, are you sure you shouldn't eat from this tree? You know what? I don't like where this line of questioning is going. Shut up. I'm going to move along and go have me an orange from that tree. Right? That's all she had to do. But she let him talk. And she let that serpent talk long enough to where she believed it. And she followed through with it. Some of you need to learn to be aggressive with spiritual fights. Not wait for it to grow and get the best of you. Don't allow sin to grow. Listen, the best way to beat cancer is to attack it aggressively with everything that the doctors have. The best way to overcome death of sin is to attack the root of temptation. Whatever that root of temptation is, is what you need to attack. And you need to attack it aggressively. Listen, you struggle with pornography? I get it. I understand. But if it's something that you're struggling with on your cell phone... Maybe you're aggressive enough to say, I'm not going to have my cell phone in my room anymore. I'm going to charge it in the living room where it's not by me, and, and I'm just going to go to bed. That may not solve everything for you, but maybe it's a step, an aggressive step. Okay? Are you willing to be aggressive enough to win? And I'll tell you, I don't know if you've ever been in a fight, but a fight isn't always on technique. It's on who wants it more. Who's more aggressive? And in this case... If you're not aggressive, you better believe the enemy will be. Now, it's not just that because sometimes in the middle of a battle, you're being aggressive, but so is the enemy. And so what do we do in the midst of that? Well, there's another thing I notice. Uh, when I play video games, sometimes the, the first person who hits, they get a lot of points. And there are moments where that person has jumped all over me. But one of my favorite moves in fighting games is the counterattack. When they're about to hit you and you catch them and you flip them over and you beat them down and suddenly you're on top, you're the aggressive one. Some of you need to learn in your spiritual fights how to counterattack. Counterattack means 
you take what they were doing and you flip it on them in order to hurt them rather than allowing it to hurt you. Notice the Bible takes special care to point out that David had no sword. Right? 1 Samuel chapter 17 verse 50. So David triumphed over the Philistine with a sling and a stone without a sword in his hand. He struck down the Philistine and killed him. He didn't have a sword. Right? He didn't have a sword. But listen to the very next verse. Right? Verse 51. If you can go up, I think I had it on the earlier one. Verse 51, if you go back from the beginning. Actually, I have it lower, sorry. And it says, David ran and stood over him. He took off the Philistine sword and drew it from the sheath. After he killed him, he cut off his head with that sword. Now, let me give you that picture. Because a lot of times the story, especially when you're telling little kids, we stop at a David threw a slingshot hit boy in the forehead. That's why, you know why we stopped the story there for kids? Because it gets gross. Because <laughs> after he knocked him down, he ran over, pulled the sword out of his sheath, right? That sword was meant to hurt David. That sword was meant to kill David. But David pulled his sword out, Goliath's sword, and used it to cut off Goliath's head. Sometimes you need to learn to take what the enemy intended to use to hurt you and flip it on him. Sometimes you need to learn to take what the enemy used to hurt you and flip it on them. Listen, Genesis chapter 50, verse 20. It's the story of Joseph. Joseph went through a lot of difficult things. Joseph had bad thing after bad thing happen to him, most of which happened from his family, his brothers. Finally, at the end of this story, Joseph has an opportunity to get revenge on his brothers for throwing them in a pit to try to kill them, for selling them into slavery, for causing all those bad things to happen in his life. But listen to what Joseph says in Genesis chapter 50, verse 20. He says, you intended to harm me, but God intended it all for good. He brought me to this position so I could save the lives of many people. All those bad things that Joseph went through led to him being second in command of all of Egypt. So that when his people's land was going through a famine, he had the surplus of food to feed not just his family, but all the nations there. What did Joseph understand? What you did to try to hurt me, God used it to bless me. Some of you need to take the struggles that you've gone through. And learn to use it as a counterattack. Even the scariest, nastiest, most horrible ones. You know, a couple weeks ago we had um, Sal and Julia give some testimonies. And when they were going through those things, it was horrible. It was difficult. But what I've come to understand is sometimes people will only hear it from someone who's went through it. And so when you sit there, you go, well, why did it have to happen to me? Instead of saying, why me, say, God, why do you want to use this or how do you want to use this? Okay, I struggled with depression. This is something that got the best of me. But the Lord is going to guide me through this and one day I will encounter another individual with the same struggle. And I will be able to point to the same exit from that sin that God led me through. See, we, we go from being lost in the wilderness to a guide through the wilderness. Because we took what the enemy intended to destroy you and we flip it on him. See, young people, if you can learn to do this. 
instead of feeling sorry for yourself, and instead of locking yourself up in the room and saying, woe is me, look in the mirror and say, this is where the Lord has brought me to. I'm still here. I'm still strong. And not only am I going to survive, but I'm going to be used to save the lives of many. Counterattack. Take what the devil used to trip you up. Counterattack. Devil brings a really cute, tempting boy in your life, ladies. Trying to trip you up. You look at him and you know, devil, you is a liar. That man too cute and I know it ain't good for me right now. And he try hollering at you. You'd be like, absolutely. Why don't you meet me at 6050 West Belmont, 7 o'clock on Thursday. We can hang out. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. You know, get a little music. You know, hear a little speech. <laughs> Absolutely. Come on through. I'll introduce you to some of my friends. <laughs> Why not? Use, hey, what, you try to hurt me? Flip it. And listen, I don't know. If he gets right with the Lord, maybe down the line. Who knows, right? I ain't, I ain't, I ain't saying we should do that. I'm just saying. Maybe the Lord, but he intended to hurt you. Down the line. And by the way, down the line is not Friday. <laughs> but if you can learn to say, hey, listen, I see what the enemy's trying to do in this situation. And I'm going to take this situation, and I'm not going to be a victim with it. I'm not going to sit here and feel sorry for myself anymore. I'm going to learn from this situation, and I'm going to flip it. And as a result, here's the deal. Listen, some of us, it's because of the darkest situations you've gone to that you actually go to the Lord. Some of your relationship with God was strengthened, not because of your desire, but because of your desperation. Because you were put in a position where you needed him. And sometimes we don't go to the Lord unless we need him. And sometimes God puts us in a situation where we do. But if you can learn to use that for God's glory, you counterattack. So we talked about, right, be aggressive, counterattack. And here's the last thing and one of the things people forget about. When you play a game like Mortal Kombat, you might win a certain amount of time. You might be losing a certain amount of time. But it ain't over until you hear that voice in the background say what? Finish him. Third thing you need to understand is you have a responsibility to finish him. What do you mean by that? When David flung his stone at Goliath, the Bible tells us that Goliath was struck down and killed. But David didn't stop there. It could have been easy for David after striking them in the head, knowing the power of his slingshot, knowing what he could do with that thing, seeing him on the ground, tongue hanging out, rolled eyes, completely jacked up, big old chinchon on his forehead. He could have looked at him and been like, yo, he's done. But he didn't celebrate. He didn't, he didn't look at his guys and be like, you see what I did? No, he ran straight to Goliath, pulled out his sword, and he finished him. Listen, let's go back to that story. 1 Samuel 50 21. So David triumphed over the Philistine with a sling and a stone. Without a sword in his hand, he struck down the Philistine and killed him. Right? Bam. Done. Then David ran. He didn't walk. He didn't skip. He didn't, no, he ran and he stood over him. He took hold of the Philistine's sword, drew it from his sheath, and after he killed him, he cut off his head with the sword. Too often, we struggle with the same sins over and over again 
because we settle for knocking them out instead of finishing them off. Hey, you know, I don't struggle with that as much. Yeah, but you didn't cut it off either. Hey, you know, it's not, yeah, I'm good. It's not, it's not a fight for anymore. No, 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 no. You knocked it down, but you haven't finished them. What happens is that eventually sin gets back up. I don't know about you. I'll be honest with you. The reason I don't like to fight and the reason even as a kid I didn't like to fight is because I was always afraid of a person getting back up after I was winning. I was scared that if they got up, they would hurt me. And I had this fear in my heart that if I ever got into a serious fight, I might kill somebody just to stop them from getting up. Now, that's a healthy fear to have in the physical. But in the spiritual, it's exactly what you need to do. You need to overcome that situation, and you need to kill it where it stands. You can't give it an ounce of hope. What happens is sin eventually gets back up, and this time it comes at you ten times stronger and angrier than before. It's not enough to feel sorry about your sins, to have remorse for it. You need to do everything you can to wipe them out entirely and put it to death. You need to learn to finish it. To say there's no residual, there's no opportunity, there's no glimpse of life. Right? David could have went up and be like, hey, poked Goliath. You, you dead, bro? Could have put his fingers to his pulse and I don't feel pulse. David said, no, no, we're going to make sure for real. Swap <laughs> with his own sword. It's bad enough you get hit. You get hit with your own belt, that's messed up. <laughs> his own sword. And listen, Colossians chapter 3, verse 5 to 11. Listen to what the Bible says. So put to death the sinful, earthly things lurking within you. Let me pause right there. It doesn't say stop doing the sinful, earthly things lurking within you. Can I tell you something, young people? It's not enough to stop doing it. Because if you stop doing it, it doesn't mean it won't start doing that again. You need to put to death. There's no hope of that coming back in my life. You need to put to death the sinful, earthly things lurking within you. Have nothing to do with sexual immorality, impurity, lust, and evil desires. Don't be greedy, for a greedy person is an idolater worshiping things of this world. Because of these sins, the anger of God is coming. You used to do these things when your life was still a part of the world. But now is the time to get rid of anger, rage, malicious behavior, slander, in other words, gossip, and dirty language. Some of you are like, whoa, hey, that's, isn't that a little much? <laughs> Listen, don't lie to each other. For you've stripped off your old sinful nature and all its wicked deeds. Put on your new nature and be renewed as you learn to know your creator and become like him. And then the next one. In this new life, it doesn't matter if you're a Jew or a Gentile, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbaric, uncivilized, slave or free. Christ is all that matters and he lives in all of us. What is he saying? He's saying, listen. All those things that we mentioned. And be careful not to be like, what, none of those were me. No, bro, whatever is lurking inside you. Whatever sinful, lustful desires that are creeping in, those little things that you know you're not supposed to do, put it to death. Get rid of that. Hey, I get it. That's who you used to be. I get it. That's what you used to do. That's not you anymore. Stop acting how you used to be. 
It's not an excuse anymore. Well, this is how I grew up. Okay, but that's not who you're going to continue to be. Stop it. Well, this is what I've always gone through. And if you don't want it to be what you will always go through, stop doing that. I can't just stop. You're right. How about we put it to death? How about you, you go beyond just stopping? Don't just block the porn site. Maybe give your parents your phone, your laptop, your electronics before you go to your room. Here's a scary thought, but it's aggressive. Maybe be honest with someone and say, I struggle with this, and I don't trust myself with this in my room. You know, I pray my daughter one day, if she ever has that battle, can go to me and her mother and say, Mom, I'm really struggling with this. Would you take my phone? I'm not going to be angry with her. I'm, I'm going to be proud because she trusts me enough to hold her accountable and to help her overcome the fights. Who wouldn't fight for their child? And even if you're like, my parents won't, talk to one of our leaders. Talk to me. Get accountability. Have somebody say, listen, I don't just want to put it away. I want to kill this. Don't just break up with that person. Cut off all contact. Because here's what we do. Oh, I broke up with them, but I kept them on Snapchat. So you sitting there low-key lurking on their life like a creep, right? Asking your friend if you can have access to their Snapchat account so that you can backdoor creep on them, which is even creepier. And whoever laughed in this room, y'all know you did it. Using that fake account to stalk your ex. That's how weirdos get arrested in the future, man. It starts now. And then when you're 37, you're sitting there in a windowsill. About to get arrested. Stop doing that stuff. <laughs> okay? You need to be able to go beyond that. Listen, when you break up with someone, whether it's a romantic relationship or just an unhealthy relationship, you got to be willing to cut off all contact. Stop acting like you guys can be friends. Oh, no, we're just friends. No, no, you're just naive. Stop it. <laughs> you're not just friends. Once you've crossed romantic lines, it's really hard to go back. <laughs> okay? You're naive to think, no, 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 we're, we're, we're just friends. No, 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 you're just stupid. Stop saying that. <laughs> Stop pretending like you got this and be honest. I got to cut this off all the way. And listen, it may not be forever, but it should be for a season, right? If I'm sick, I maybe need to stay home, right? Because y'all don't want to get sick. I need to stay home. Now, I ain't going to stay home forever. <laughs> I'm going to stay home until I'm no longer sick. Some of you need to cut off somebody that's harmful to your relationship. It may not be forever, but while they're being harmful, I can't have you near me. While I'm healing, I can't have you near me. It's not even about you. It's about me. I'm not, I'm not doing okay. I'm vulnerable right now. I'm struggling, and I can't have you in my life while I'm trying to deal with this. If I'm drowning, I ain't trying to save you. I'm trying to save me. Me is the priority right now. Don't just stop smoking and drinking. Maybe you need to delete your dealer's contact. Maybe you need to stop hanging out with those friends that are providing the alcohol. Stop hanging around people who do that. You need to be willing to be aggressive enough to do whatever you need to do to cut off and finish sin in your life. To be as wild enough to say, because here's the deal. I see you guys every week. And I see remorse on your face. And I see guilt on your face. And you feel bad for what you did. But do you feel bad enough to stop doing it? That's the difference between repenting and regretting. A lot of us regret. I feel bad that I did that. 
but you have no intention to stop doing it. Repenting is, I not only feel bad for what I did, I have no desire to continue to do that. And so I'm going to do what I need to do, and in some cases it's extreme, to cut off the thing that keeps waking up and attacking me. It's not enough to knock it down. you got to finish them. Worship team, if you can help me out. Here's what we're going to do. In a moment, I want us to pray. And it's a simple prayer. I want to ask God right here tonight to really speak to you and to tell you without any kind of doubt, this is the thing that I need you to kill. This is the area of your life that we need to start to battle with and overcome. And it may not be as simple thing as, as a prayer tonight. And it could be, but it, it may not be. This may be a process, but you have to be willing to go into the process. You might be at the beginning of the fight. You might be almost done and God's like, you need to finish it. But here's what I need to pray. I want to pray that God will reveal it to you. And I believe as I was speaking, the Lord was already doing that for some of you. The Lord was already nudging you going, this is what he's talking about. So you already know. I'm going to pray that God helps you not be ignorant to that. And I also want to pray that God would give you the strength to be aggressive. To finish this fight. And to understand that even in the midst of that battle, God can use it for his glory. But I need you to take those steps. So I want you to stand right where you're at. And in a moment, we're going to pray. One of my favorite verses in the Bible is when the Lord says, but I will go for you, fight for you, and give you the victory. Yes, you have to fight. You have to do your part. That victory, though, that comes from the Lord. That strength in your own self, you're not going to overcome depression by yourself. You're not going to overcome anxiety by yourself. You're not going to overcome lust by yourself. It's the grace of God. It's the strength of God that will help you when you lean into him to do the things that you couldn't do on your own strength. Because honestly, if you could do it on your own, you would have done it by now. So I want to pray that God will strengthen you to do it. But at the same time, it's easier to steer a moving car than a parked car. And so you have to be willing to allow God to steer your life in the direction that he's calling you to steer. And so with every head bow and every eye closed, I want to pray that in just a moment. But before I do, I want to ask, maybe you're here for the first time or maybe you're new to all this. And you've never given your life to the Lord. You're on the wrong side of the battle right now. And there's no way God can give you victory in the things you struggle with if you don't have a relationship with him to begin and so before we pray for everyone else who does have a relationship with Jesus, young man, young lady, I want to give you an opportunity. Not to join a church or be part of a religion, but to have a genuine relationship with Jesus Christ. Someone who loves you more than you could ever imagine and someone who is willing to help you with everything that you're going through. But my Lord is a gentleman. He won't go where he's not wanted. And so you have to desire it first. And so before we pray for everyone else, young man, young lady, if you're in this room, no one's looking around. I'm not going to call you out. Just everyone bow your head and close your eyes. Young man, young lady, if that's you, if you want to start a relationship with Jesus today, just signal me by lifting up your hand and I'm going to pray for you. 
there's anyone here who says, Pastor, I've never said yes to Jesus. I've never started a relationship with him, but I don't want to leave here without one. Just let me know, and then we'll pray for you. If not, we'll move on. Is there anyone who says, Pastor, that's me? Awesome. Then I believe everyone in this room is saved. So now let me pray for those of you in this room. I want to pray for those who are struggling right now to be aggressive, who are struggling to see how God can use this for his glory, who are struggling to finish it. And if you're in this room and the Lord has already pointed it out to you, then in a moment we're going to pray. But before that, I just want to ask, Heavenly Father, Lord, even now as we stand in your presence, Father, would you begin to speak to their heart? Lord, would you begin to show them without any doubt, without any confusion, let them see and know that they know exactly what it is that they need to do. God, for some of us it's one thing, for some of us it's many things. But whatever it is, God, I pray that you would be clear and direct. In this moment right now, would you bring it to their mind's eye? Would you let them see clearly this is the battle that you're fighting right now? And even then, Lord, would you remind them that you're going to give them the victory if they're willing to be open and honest and transparent with you now. And so right now, I just want to ask, before I finish this prayer, with every head bowed, every eye closed, if you're in this room and you know there's something that you're battling right now, there's, there's an issue, there's a struggle, to finish it, to be aggressive with it, to overcome it, and you want to be included in this prayer, right where you're at, I'm not going to call you out, would you just lift up your hand real quick? I just want to know who you are so that I can pray with you. Thank you. Is there anybody else? Just lift it up high. Lift it up high. Awesome, you can put it down. Heavenly Father, you saw every person that rose their hand, God. Lord, I thank you for their honesty. I thank you for their transparency. I thank you that they were genuine about their desire to want to get better. And Lord, I pray, give them a spirit of David, God. Lord, I pray that they would be aggressive the same way they were willing to lift up their hands. is the same way they're willing to rush at this situation and deal with it head on, God. Lord, I pray that you would open their eyes and see exactly what it is that they're dealing with. And not just what it is, but how to overcome it, God. Give them the strategies. Show them what they need to do. Whether it's cutting the relationship off. Whether it's turning off a website. Whether it's not doing things that they used to do. Lord, whatever habits they have, whatever issues they continue to struggle with. God, I pray that you would show them which door it is to walk out of that situation. And God, I know that it's not enough to show us. Father, we need your strength to actually do it. And so, Lord, I pray, strengthen our hands, God. Strengthen our hands to be who you called us to be. Give us courage to do what you've called us to do. Help us to fight this spiritual combat the way that you called us to fight it. And, Lord, I even thank you in advance. Because when we overcome victory, and not if, when we reach victory, we will be able to turn around and give that blueprint to victory to someone else who's going to be going through that same battle in the future. So, Lord, we thank you that none of this is wasted and all of it is used for your honor and your glory. We pray this all in Jesus' mighty name. And everybody said? Everybody said?